I don't think there's a better way of opening what would be what the 388 388th edition of unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mike Jansen, Chris Luke with you. And yes, everybody's telling me that there was no way the Packers are improved. Uh, the only one that seemed to listen was my partner here. He picked the green Bay Packers. Uh, I didn't even pick the green Bay Packers, but Yes, our offense isn't what it's supposed to be. Yes, it's a work in progress. But isn't it amazing that the Green Bay Packers could play some defense? As again, we welcome you to this 388th episode of Unscripted. Folks, I'm giddy because it's been nine years since the Packers have played defense. The Packers, you know, you've heard me say how many times on this program, this is the 30th year of combined quarterbacking in Green Bay between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. This is the 14th season's 14th season of Rodgers being at the helm of our offense and now you see what happens and you can see why Aaron Rodgers is worth 134 point whatever million dollars over the next four years because he has been our team and to see guys that actually play the run and can contain on either end with this two Smith boys not related Zadarius and Preston Smith we actually have defensive end slash outside linebackers. It's amazing. I didn't even miss Shampoo Boy on Thursday night, September 5th, because Shampoo Boy was either trailing the player on the sidelines injured. We had two guys that, that played Zadarius, Zadarius Smith, played 73 snaps last Thursday night against the Chicago Bears, 69 for Preston Smith. And we haven't had that kind of productivity out of Matthews or Nick Perry forever. And it's kind of outstanding considering someone else sees inadequacies too because Nick Perry has had two tryouts. He had a tryout with the Seahawks, he had a tryout with the Dolphins, has been signed by nobody. Clay Matthews is playing inside linebacker in Los Angeles. Um, as we get into this 388th episode, uh, Chris and I are going to take a, a look at week one NFL observations. Later on, in later episodes this week of Unscripted, we'll make our week two NFL picks. We will not make a pick, obviously, on the Thursday game, um, but we will pick the Sunday games and the Monday game and uh, get those up on our Patreon page for you before kickoff on Sunday morning. Um, so, but again, week one national football league season, the 100th season, unless you're counting the green Bay Packers, the Acme Packers, they consider this their 101st season. I don't care. They're math majors just like I am. But, uh, as I bring in the executive producer of unscripted, uh, just some quick observations. I've got a list of them, but obviously I want to get Chris involved in the program right off the top of your head. Um, some of your quick observations from week one of the National Football League season. Well, the one thing that really stands out, and it was emphatically emphasized 
on Thursday night in week two here is that there is not just something, but there are a lot of things wrong with Cam Newton right oh, now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, really, they should have uh, they should have beaten the Rams in week one. Obviously, no excuse for losing to the Bucks in week two. That's a divisional game. They're now 0-2 uh, after two home games, after we had really picked them to be pretty decent. I did narrowly pick Atlanta over them in the playoff race just because of Atlanta's excellent all-indoor schedule almost. Uh, but, jeez, uh, I mean, where do you start? He hasn't rushed at all in two games, which uh, you would think maybe has something to do with his, with his bad ankle. He hasn't been able to hit the backside of a barn, as they say. I mean, there have been so many memes on the internet about people showing, you know, people making terrible shots and saying, hey, look, at this is Cam Newton. And it's just brutal. Like, he, I watched that entire game. I've decided that Christian McCaffrey is my favorite player in the NFL. And I've got him in my work fantasy football league, so he's a big deal. And it wasn't his fault, but he didn't do too much. And then, and Cam, not only with the shoulder and the accuracy and the lack of rushing and the ankle and everything, but just as a person, he doesn't have that same charisma and happiness. He seems really down, really sluggish. It seems like he has mono, like not just Sam Darnold, you know, like... It's a great one. <laughs> really, that's what I was thinking. Like, is it going around? I mean, he, before the game... He, you know, he was like, he looked like he was falling asleep up there. Someone questioned something about him and he was just, yeah, you, uh, you, uh, you know, tell the Bucks to not play deep on me, like see how that goes or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then afterwards, I know he dresses like a jackass all he the time. He dresses like Russell Westbrook. <laughs> he actually, it's even worse than Russell Westbrook, honestly. Is it really? Well, the, this the hats one, are outrageous. Well, but he wore the, so this is a bad enough outfit anyway, but especially after a, a loss, and it's like really threatening their season. I mean, 12% of teams make the playoffs after 0-2. So after this loss, you would think maybe, maybe he didn't have anything else to wear, but you'd think he would come out and be a little more uh, respectful, maybe a little more serious, maybe not be ridiculous. And he comes out with like an old lady's bonnet on and his hair all weird. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton is one of my favorite players in the league. I love, I have to say, I really, I don't have a favorite team officially. I like the Carolina Panthers. I've always liked Cam Newton. I've always liked Luke Keekley, and I love Christian McCaffrey now. And there's a lot to like about them. But what the fuck is wrong with Cam Newton? I don't know. I, I'm also concerned if you're Ron Rivera about job security in Carolina. I do have to question, and I know this was the beginning of week two. And I go, I'm, I'm already vetoing or going over bounds in regard to we were supposed to be going through week one, but talking about the Carolina Panthers, what in the hell are they trying to do uh, with that kind of flea flicker? What the fuck was that? You know, they, I'm sorry, but they need two yards. They could have gotten a first down by getting just to the one yard line Mm -hmm. and an unbelievable play by the safety Hargraves, the rookie out of the university of Florida, unbelievable play, great play by that young man. But what kind of play call is that? I mean, I mean, I think what for me, and I'd be interested in your take because again, you're you were higher on the on the Panthers than I was, and you're obviously correct at zero and two and losing two home games to start your season. They already have dug themselves a hole in regard to making a postseason appearance, but I think that's desperation. That kind of play, what you don't have. I know they don't employ a fullback in in Carolina, but. Um, I just think, you know, Christian McCaffrey is one of the most talented young men in this league, and I totally agree with you, but he isn't a bulldozer, and he's not going to get through three guys to get the one yard. I just don't understand the play call 
at the end of that game between the Bucks and the Panthers on Thursday night. I appreciate that. But what I was even more concerned about with that play was the execution mm-hmm. and not even Christian McCaffrey because it was a great play by Vernon Hargraves. And if you remember last year, uh, I think last summer it would have been when uh, Vernon Hargraves was, uh, you know, basically unknown. I was talking about how I, every time I watched this guy, he looked awesome. And yeah, he that was a game-saving play that he made there. That I think the Panthers win that game by a point probably. If yeah. he if he yeah. if he doesn't step up because no one else was going to touch McCaffrey there and you're right if that would have been Marshawn Lynch in his prime that he's getting in right, right? but uh, or Refrigerator Perry maybe or something but not uh, not poor Christian McCaffrey after a great play but no my concern was the execution they they waited way too long to snap the ball I have seen this play before and anytime I've seen this play it's been executed really well they waited so long when you see Cam go up and start to- and he, and Cam wasn't even doing it enthusiastically. And it took so long. You just knew they were going to direct snap it to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, in fairness, they did do a really good play action there. And the one defender did really bite and think yeah. that McCaffrey handed off. And that would have been a huge loss. If he had handed off, it would have been a huge loss. Not that it really mattered. Uh, but uh, the whole execution, if they would have done it a lot better, they would have snapped a lot quicker. If Cam would have looked like he was going to snap it and then was just running up to the line and pointing at the other team like, hey, watch for this, watch for this. And then they snap it. Uh, it might have been different, but the execution was uh, was just horrible. And I just I don't there's there's a, there's there's literally I can't even say there's something wrong with Cam Newton because it's obvious there's at least two or three things wrong oh. mentally and physically. Uh, and now you're right. Yeah, it's job security, losing two games at home, one one of which is divisional, and it's the redheaded stepchild of the division. They haven't even played the you know, the bigger players in right. the division yet. The, the season's There's a little done. bit of leniency, in my opinion, if they lose to the Saints or the Falcons at home, but when they're losing to the Buccaneers at home, and I love, don't get me wrong, I love Bruce Arians, but it's going to take a while to implement his system and after what happened, you know, there was a lot of people that felt in week one that Tampa was going to be, you know, a little bit more competitive than they were in their home opener against the 49ers. And then to go four days later into Carolina in Bank of America Stadium and get a win. Great tribute to the Buccaneers. And uh, I do feel a little bit of a concern for Ron Rivera moving forward. Um, new owner in Carolina. Uh, this this team has been in the Super Bowl within, what, five, six years ago or whatever it was with Cam Newton, I believe. Um, and this team right now at 0-2, and, and again, don't I don't want to sound repetitive, but I do believe they've dug themselves a hell of a hole to start this season with losing two games at home uh, to start the season. Um, a lot of interesting things in Week 1. I think the Miami Dolphins have officially just laid down and died. Um it's funny to me that right after the game, supposedly, rumor has it that there were a bunch of players on that Dolphins team, the the ones that think they have value to somebody else, like a Minka Fitzpatrick. I'd love to see him as a slot corner in Green Bay, mm-hmm. hint, hint, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but it was funny reading that uh, uh, it's almost like they're trying to get off the Titanic in Miami. Uh, supposedly, a lot of players contacted their agents right after that 59 to 10 or 59 to 3 or whatever it was, ass whooping. And they were telling their agents to request trades, get me out of Dodge, get me out of here right now. Um, I can't even tell you right now. I really can. You probably can. I cannot right now name five players on the Miami Dolphins football team. I can't do it. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick was one. Yeah. 
but uh, I can't name four more. Um, I thought that was interesting. We had talked, Chris and I, many times, including during our NFL preview show and just in generalities, that we thought that the New York Jets were going to be a team. And it's only one week. I get that. But here's the problem. One week, week one, you're at home. You're up 16-0. C.J. Mosley, their new interior or inside linebacker who they just signed as a really big-time free agent from the Baltimore Ravens, he played an awesome freaking football game. And I watched a lot of this game. Mm-hmm. And I obviously, when Mosley got hurt, they lost something in their defensive, obviously in their defensive schematics and their defensive execution. But I like Buffalo. I've said a lot of good things about Buffalo. I think Josh Allen is the real deal moving forward. But again, he's just how many starts into his NFL career and he's implementing a lot of new things offensively. A new wide receiver, Cole Beasley. A new running back, the kid from Florida International or whatever the hell he's from. But he's, he's going to be good. They got rid of Shady McCoy and all this other stuff. But the at home, they're up 16 with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter. And they lose 17 to 16. So that tells me right there, unfortunately, the Jets may still be the Jets. Yeah, it's tough when you get used to a C.J. Mosley as the quarterback, the defense, and then you're, everything's in rhythm, you're shutting them out, and everything's just going swimmingly, and Mosley has a touchdown himself, and it just is, couldn't be going better, and then he goes out, and then they were just lost without him. They've, all, they've already gotten used to having him there, and that's a real shame, and uh, yeah, I, I felt bad for them there, because that's, that's a tough loss to endure, but I do like Buffalo as well. I have to say, I am sick to death of people saying that Buffalo has a sneaky good defense. It's not sneaky when they're you're fucking a, good. When you're a top three defense every year, it's not sneaky. Okay, yeah. like I know that they're the Bills, just like the Jets for the Jets, and it's easy to discount them, and their offense is never that great. But you have to, if you look at their defense, their defense is really good every year. They've got a lot to like there. You know, it's it, they remind me of the Nashville Predators in the. NHL where it's like even if you want to get a different position like the the Predators never find good forwards hardly ever just every time a defenseman falls to them like in the draft where Seth Jones was supposed to be number one overall Nashville sitting there at four they're getting ready to pick a forward the number one overall pick falls to them at four it's like they they sprint to the podium okay I guess we got to take him now right and it's the same thing here Ed Oliver falls to Buffalo at ninth overall when he should have gone fourth and it was it was just crazy like they they can attract defense so if Josh Allen turns out to be the real deal and on paper he's great I mean if I had to play a video game I'd want to play as Josh Allen because he's got the biggest arm in the league he can scramble like he'd probably be the most fun quarterback to play in a video game so I I really like him I love Devin Singletary I know you like Sean McDonough and I do too I McDermott pardon me who am I thinking of? Anyway. The, the broadcaster. Well, I, oh, there's. I think there's an actor there's the named Sean that McDonough. too. I think there's an actor named that too. But anyway, sorry. Sean McDermott, pardon me, the Buffalo head coach. I don't like what he said this week. He said that Frank Gore is number one on the depth chart and Singletary really? is number two. I don't like that. That doesn't make any sense. There was not even a contest between the two this past week. Frank Gore uh, was what, like 20 yards on 10 carries or something? And Devin Singletary was 70. 
And it was just, it, there was no question who the better back is in 2019. It's not even close. I don't know why McDonough would, or sorry, McDermott would say that. I, I just thought that was totally ridiculous. But yeah, I, I am looking forward to Buffalo. And it's funny with a weird schedule here, just a schedule quirk. Buffalo this week is on the road again at the same stadium, which is hilarious. Yeah. And they're going to face a much easier defense this time. And I think Josh Allen could look really good. Yeah, no question. Uh, we will have in episode 389, we will make our, uh, again, we will make our picks for Sunday's games and the Monday Nighter, which is also coincidentally enough in MetLife Stadium, the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Cleveland is making noise in all the wrong reasons again. And I got to tell you, um, but before I get into ripping the Cleveland Browns a new one, I want to talk about my other whipping boys, and that would be the Washington Redskins. Um, for years, and uh, I would like to invite you to go to our Patreon page and uh, read a blog that I did this week and also was in, on my LinkedIn page. And uh, I put it on the main site now, too. Oh, did you? Well, thank Th- you. That's what I was telling you about. You didn't see that? Uh, yeah, on our on our, I'm getting there on unscriptedmc.com. Yeah, with your, yeah. I put your blog on there. Yeah, I know. I saw, oh, you did. I, okay, I'm perfect. getting there. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm getting. You always take care of me. I know that. Okay, yeah. um, no, I. But I made uh, reference to. I always thought. Um, I really did. I really always thought the biggest problem in Washington was the owner Daniel Schneider, because he's had good football people that have worked for him over the years, except for Steve Superior. Um, but he's had good football people. He's got Bruce Allen there as his general manager, the son of George Allen, who's legendary in, in Washington Redskins lore. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I was really, I, I was pissed off. It was what I was. And this is totally disrespect. You just make mention, and rightfully so, about Sean McDermott and naming Frank Gore the number one running back for the Buffalo Bills moving forward. And I like... Is it uh, Guyon? Darius Geis. Dice, thank you. Darius Geis. Geis. Now, he just got put on IR this week. He will be back this year, but he had something with his other knee, and and they put him on, but they'll they'll get him back. But how in the hell? And this is a shot at Jay Gruden, the, uh, uh, the coach of the Washington Redskins, um, brother of John. Um, what in the hell is your thinking? I know what he told the media, but there's, it's gotta be deeper than this. He told the media that he made Adrian Peterson. Now, Adrian Peterson's got a few skeletons in there and there's some people that don't like him because of what he did to his supposedly did to his son. Well, he paid a penalty for that. He's done the time for doing his crime, but he is a future first ballot hall of famer. In my opinion, I could be wrong, but that's my opinion. But what an ultimate disgrace on opening day when you really could have used him. I really believe that. You really could have used Adrian Peterson, if nothing more than that security blanket. Um, I can't believe that Jay Gruden sat a future first ballot Hall of Famer as a healthy scratch. Now, if, if, if Peterson is hurt, that's one thing. But here he is as a healthy scratch. And you know, the television commentators made mention of it. The fans obviously made mention of it. Um, The teammates after the game had made mention that they were surprised to see AD, or AP, excuse me, uh, AP sitting there in street clothes knowing he was healthy. 
I don't quite understand it. The explanation that Gruden, the younger Gruden, gave to the media after was that Anthony or Adrian Peterson does not play special teams. Well, here's a newsflash for you, Coach Gruden, and I use that term loosely with you, is that Adrian Peterson has never played special teams. Adrian Peterson was the star of his seventh grade junior high team. He was the star of his high school team. He was an All-American at the University of Oklahoma. And again, in my opinion, he's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. What in the hell is going through your mind as you lose another game and had a big lead? Could have used Adrian Peterson to maybe milk that clock a little bit and take some of those possessions out of the weaponry of the Philadelphia Eagles, which led to their comeback. And I love that. I got to say, I love that having for, for the Philly, because I picked Philly to go to the Super Bowl and win it. I love having Deshaun Jackson back mm-hmm. in Philly. That's really exciting. But I, I am quite disappointed in the baby Gruden making the decision to make Adrian Peterson a healthy scratch in week one. Yeah, if his name was Jay Smith, I'm not sure if he Absolutely. would Great have uh, gotten this far and had the career he has. And he's really been in Washington for a long time. I think it's because they had the one division title, maybe bought him a couple years. But th- yeah, wow, that was a terrible move. I know Adrian Peterson's getting older. I appreciate that. But th- honestly, the guys still look good. I drafted him in my fantasy leagues a lot last year, and he did really well. And, uh, you know, especially when you have a Darius Geis who has been made of glass so far in his career. Uh, you're missing Trent Williams, your all-world left tackle, and you know you need an Adrian Peterson who's more of a bulldozer. Maybe if Adrian Peterson had uh, had the ball instead of McCaffrey yesterday, maybe he goes through Vernon Hargraves. I think you're right. Or on Thursday. Yeah, so it was just a terrible thing. And on top of it all, then to piss off the veterans as well, which you don't want right. to do, which is, which is what Miami did too. And yeah, it was just inexcusable. Speaking of Miami, I'm sorry, I never got to talk about Miami on that Please. last one. I really wanted to. Please. Because this is almost uncharted territory here. There's a sports book out there. This is known as the smartest sports book out there. It's called Pinnacle. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, it. I've, but anyway. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's known for having the smartest odds makers in the world working for them. They are, and they are so accurate and so precise. You know, like when they're calculating their juice in, in American odds, and my, instead of minus 105, minus 110, sometimes they'll have minus 102. Like they're just, they're so amazing like they're just the most brilliant people in the world work at pinnacle they have taken the new england patriots and the miami dolphins off the board oh really you cannot bet on that game at pinnacle really which is their way of saying that you cannot set it high enough and of course this is based on uh this is you know coming off of the effort or lack thereof uh, that we saw in week one where miami well obviously severely lacking talent uh, was just inexcusably lazy. I mean, there was just no motivation at all. There had been talk, and I don't know how much of this was due to this, but uh, they said if Laramie Tunsil gets traded, that the locker room is going to revolt, essentially. And if you saw the Miles Boykin touchdown, uh, it looked like nobody even moved. Like, it looked like they like the Ravens snapped the ball, threw the ball, and I don't know if anyone on the other, on the Dolphins even moved. They just stood there. Like it was, it was unbelievable. It uh, and so now you have the worst team in the league in terms of talent, but they're also not trying at all. And we've seen tanking before in sports, but I don't know if we've ever seen just don't try at all. I mean, the one 
strength of the Miami Dolphins, if they have one, should be the secondary. They've got Xavier Howard, who is an amazing cornerback. They've got Minka Fitzpatrick, who I'm telling you, if I was Brian Gutekunst, like oh, that's I'm, I'm saying the same thing. Oh, like I mean, if it all it takes a third, then for sure. But even a second round pick, second round picks are still somewhat speculative. If you know you're going to get a Minka Fitzpatrick, and the Packers are in win now mode. And you've also got him for three more years on his rookie deal. Exactly. That's what You have a guy who's already shown he can be really good. You've got a favorable contract situation. You can use him now and for the future. You can be in win now mode. The Packers are the team that, like, if all it takes is a second-round pick, give him a second-round pick. Yeah. I mean, like, the Packers are my pick to win the Super Bowl this year, and I think that would just really put them over the top. So he wants out. And and he's a young guy. All yeah. the all the veterans want out. I mean, what do they have? I mean, if you're if you're the Dolphins, I know they're trying to tank for Tua, the young quarterback, or maybe they get Justin Herbert instead. I guess, but I'm hoping that if they smarten up and turn this around, uh, you know, if I was them, I would build the team around Xavier uh, Howard. Uh, it, it was just unbelievable. The fact that Pinnacle took the game off the books this coming week, based on the complete lack of effort. Um, I mean, in survivor pools, everyone is just going to take whoever's playing the Dolphins every week. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, for and, sure. And so it uh, may, and who knows, maybe they'll start to try here. But I, what's the line this week that you had on the on the Patriots? What's it up to now? Uh, I have it uh, as of last night when I sent this to you. It was at 19. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it opened originally like weeks ago at 10 and a half, I think, uh, Patriots on the road. It quickly shot up to 13 and a half after the last game. And then the money, as you can imagine, just went crazy. And so now it's, it's just climbed 17, 18, now 19, you're saying. Uh, for a road team in a divisional game in the NFL, that's unheard of, essentially. So I don't know what we're supposed to do here. This is just a complete disgrace. Does the league have to step in at some point? I think so. I think so. Like, and, and, you know, what is this shit? I, I, I truly think so because uh, this is not competitive. And, and, the, and the, the thing about it is to me is we know the fans aren't going to show up in Miami. We know that. When they were, if, even when they were 500, they weren't showing up at Pro Player Stadium. But what I'm thinking now with this half ass effort, I think, and this may sound weird, but just kind of roll with me on this one. I think that there could be some really significant injuries out of this. If you're going half-assed, one team is kicking and the other team is just out there lollygagging around. And I don't think, the one thing that I've always respected about Belichick is Belichick's teams always play hard. Love them or loathe them, they always play hard. And I think the Patriots are, are really, this is funny, you may find this funny, but I, I believe there's a bit of truth in this. And the truth in my mind is this. <laughs> The New England Patriots have something to, they have to do something to the Miami Dolphins tomorrow. They have to remind them about what happened last year in that, in that interesting, the way that game ended with all the re laterals and all the other stuff and Miami pulls out oh, a victory. Yeah. I mean, mm. New England has to, I think they have to go in there and we all know New England is the king of the AFC East. We know that, but they have to go in there and kind of, school the Miami Dolphins a little bit that we are the Patriots. We've won six Super Bowls. We've won 23. Div I don't know what the number is, but they've won a number of division titles in a row. And we are still the king of this court. I think they go down when well, obviously now they're going to go down there and kick their ass tomorrow. They could go down there with Tom Brady's son and kick the Miami Dolphins ass tomorrow. But I think Belichick has probably reminded the guys since the first day of, of training camp that week two in Miami, 
we got to send a message. And uh, I have the Patriots. I don't know. I think we can still, you and I can still give our picks on New England, Miami, but Mm -hmm. I don't care if the line is 30 by the time kickoff is tomorrow. I'm still taking the Patriots both ways. Well, you have to because the, like, what are you betting on? It doesn't matter if, yeah, if it's plus 30, like what's the, you're not, you're betting on no effort. That's not, you can't, you can't bet on that. That's not possible. The only thing that would even, to me, and this is a small X factor, and Bill Belichick's an asshole, so I don't think this will necessarily necessarily come in. But uh, new coach Brian Flores, of course, is from Belichick's mm-hmm. staff, and they are good friends. And maybe Belichick will want to make an example and show this young whippersnapper it's tough when you leave because the Belichick tree, frankly, hasn't been that great. It's yeah. been a lot of guys who uh, haven't done that well without Bill. But um, on the other side of the coin, if there's one place that the Patriots have had trouble for some reason, it's in Miami, and that's, and that's with shitty Miami teams. They just yep. can't seem to do well down there. They've got an early start game, 1 o'clock Eastern. It's probably going to be hot and sunny. The Patriots will be in their dark jerseys, probably Miami. At least will make them uncomfortable. And so, I mean, maybe some combination of Belichick takes his foot off the gas and they pull the starters early, because, which I mean, Belichick almost never does. But I mean, how? Why risk Tom Brady and right. his starters exactly. in this game for more than like a half or right. three quarters? So I don't know. It's it's such a weird situation. I feel really bad for you know. Think about it. Like who's gonna? First of all, Miami doesn't sell their games anyway. But like you're a dad and you're taking your kid to a game and the team's not even trying. Like what is that? I don't know. It's just it's just, it's just a real dis- Now we haven't seen the game. For all we know. Maybe they were just demoralized. Maybe they were just revolting about the Tunsil trade. The thing is, even if the Miami Dolphins try their hardest against the but Patriots, they're still going to get their ass kicked. You're right. Maybe and they try harder this week. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I mean, if there's a team that you could get up for, if you're a Dolphins, right, a member of the Dolphins organizations, it would be the Patriots. There's no question about it. Um, but I, I do believe, and I think you bring up a very valid point, that somewhere along the line, I think Jane Goodell's husband and their staff is going to have to be monitoring at the very least what's going on in Miami because um, this is not good. This is an ugly black eye for the NFL right now, the way Miami is just turning into this sinking cesspool of crap. And uh, you have seen, and you made mention of it, and you're exactly right, you made mention earlier about we have seen tanking in professional sports, but not on the first week. Okay. Well, I mean, no, no, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not disregarding you. I, am, I, I, I totally agree with you. But I just, what I'm thinking is, we have seen, especially in the NBA and in Major League Baseball, we have seen tanking, but it's usually in later stages of the season when the injuries start piling up and guys conveniently stay on the disabled list an extra two weeks or whatever it is. But I've never seen a team literally lie down in week one or game one. That's concerning to me. Okay, well then I will ask you the question. Does the NFL need to get a draft lottery? In light yeah. of this. Yes, I, I think so. Well, there you go. I, I really do. I, I really do because um, this is obvious. You can be my old friend Helen Keller and know what the Miami Dolphins are doing. And um, if you didn't know, all you've got to do is watch about three minutes of tape. And we're not fans of Lamar Jackson on this program. But I have never in my life, never in my life have I ever, it was demoralizing. And if you're one of the few remaining guys that really care, um, this Miami team is in trouble. And I do think that uh, a a way to combat this may be a draft lottery Um, and penalties. 
uh, along the way. I just, uh, this is, this is a train wreck and somebody better, better get on the other end of the train line and try to figure this out. Cause this is going to get ugly and it's going to get ugly early and it's pretty ugly right now. And it's, and when just the last time we saw something like this, it's the friggin' Marlins trying to sell off their team for nothing. Yeah. Not, not, and twice both the old owner I always get it, Lurie and Lurie. This is I know, Lurie, I know. Lurie or Lurie? Lurie, Lurie is the owner of the Eagles. Eagles. Luria. Or, or Loria. Loria, L-O-R-I-A, yeah. was the old art dealer Was that was the owner of the Marlins. So he was the one who, re- not that long ago, he was trying to basically sell off the team for nothing. And literally the league had to veto trades because they were too harmful to Miami. Correct. That was making them. They were taking away the competitive yeah. angle, if you will, for the Marlins. But then right after that, then Jeter comes in and just makes terrible trades because he's an idiot, I guess, and he gives away Stanton for nothing and Yelich for nothing, and and it was just so like if you're in Miami sports, no wonder they're sticking to college. Well, and then on top of that, if you want to get into the Miami sports scene, the Hurricanes have started own two. Yeah, Oof. Hurricanes have started own two. Um, I do have to run this by you. I have a series of questions here for oh, you sure. in regard to Week One NFL observations, and obviously the biggest news has been that little flea bag Antonio Brown and his helmet issue and his feet issue and then his getting out of Oakland and then getting the getting out of jail card free and going to New England. My first question, after we've seen week one, okay, these questions come from week one. Does New England, after what we saw New England do to the Buffalo, excuse me, to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday, or excuse me, Sunday night, the late game on Sunday, that was an ass kicking. Now, Pittsburgh has to be happy that they don't have to deal with Antonio Brown anymore. Obviously. They've dealt with him for nine years. Terry Bradshaw made news this morning by saying that he wouldn't play with a guy like Antonio Brown. And that's coming from Terry Bradshaw, (laughs) who never was a rocket scientist. The only difference is Terry Bradshaw was a quarterback of four Super Bowl winning teams. But my first question, after what we've seen from week one, in regard to the Oakland-Denver game and what we've seen in regard to the New England and Pittsburgh game. Does New England really need Antonio Brown? Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Okay, and this will take a few seconds here, but how the fuck is this a first-place schedule? Listen to this. This is the Patriots' schedule. Okay, so they played the Steelers, but they kicked their ass. Okay. Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, Giants, Jets, Browns, Ravens, Eagles are good, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs are good, Bengals, Bills, Dolphins. You call that a first place schedule? I say that's 14 and 2 right off the bat. Minimum, yeah, minimum. 14, 14. and 2 right off the bat. The only games that they would even be challenged, in my opinion, would be Eagles and Chiefs. Uh, yeah, at Eagles, and then home to the Chiefs where they've won a couple narrow ones in a row. Uh, so th- those should be good games, but I mean... I know. I, I how is that a first place? Well, they the they, they got the AFC West this year as one of their crossover divisional opponents, and we know the LA Chargers aren't quite the same as they have been in the past. And again, it's only Week One, and we saw Denver against Oakland, and they were pathetic offensively. And those Denver fans, and I'm specifically talking to my friend Derek the Plumber here in Calgary, who is a huge Denver fan. And if you didn't have reservations about Joe Flacco before, you better start having about him now because he is not the future in the pivot position, in my opinion, for the Denver Broncos. But along those same lines, my next question, does Oakland really need Antonio Brown? No, look, anybody can use the Antonio Brown from six years ago Mm -hmm. 
you know, or even until last year, I think, I think he was the top, at least if you look at fantasy stats, he was, I think, the top receiver five or six years. I think at least five years in a row, he was the number one receiver in the league. And I don't know if he's just gotten crazier and worse, if Mike Tomlin just did a good job. I've heard people this week saying that Mike Tomlin deserves the uh, Nobel Peace, <laughs> Peace, the Nobel Peace Prize retroactively. <laughs> Damn you know, right he does. Right? I mean, because like, it, it came out like he was filming stuff or recording Tomlin's conversations, but nothing like to this degree. Now he's just a lunatic. Nobody needs this crap. And we haven't even seen that he's going to be that good on the field. He's playing. He's made the trip this week. Uh, but I mean, how, how much time has he had to learn the playbook? His strength is route running. Uh, maybe he knows the playbook already. I don't know about that. But they don't need... And plus, in this game, at least, they're just going to... Patriots never get, uh, you know, noticed for running the ball constantly, which they do, but everyone just focuses on Brady. They're really going to run the ball a lot in Miami. They just want this game to be over. They want to escape without injuries. They don't want anyone, like, to get, you know, their head taken off on a crossing route. They just want to just run out the ball, run and run the game, and that's it. Let me ask you then. If, if um, in my blog, I had made mention that if Brown... And, and, and again, we don't know what's going to happen in regard to this now that there's this civil lawsuit out uh, involving this athletic trainer that is accusing him of sexual harassment on two accounts uh, and then one count of a rape. And, um, and I've got more about that, but we'll talk about that in, in later episodes this week in regard to um, some information I found out on First Take the other day, the Stephen A. Smith scream fest with Max Kellerman. But my question simply is this. If Antonio Brown can't get his stuff together in New England, which should be the ultimate halfway house for anybody, anybody should be able to to repair their image playing for Brady and Belichick and ultimately Mr. Kraft. But if he can't get his shit together, and it's already cost him a wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken, they've traded one guy, Demarius Thomas, to the Jets. So they've lost a receiver already. But if Antonio Brown can't get his shit together playing in the Boston area for Messrs. Belichick, Brady, and Mr. Kraft... I don't think, and I'd be interested to hear what you have to say, but I don't think Antonio Brown should get another shot in the NFL. I think he's worn out his welcome. I I agree, and I've been saying I don't even think he'll be able to not piss off Belichick and maybe Brady and whoever else, and I don't think he's just going to suddenly go back to being a great receiver. And I mean, the Patriots never, especially for any length of time, have a stud receiver. I mean, yeah, they grabbed Moss and he was good for a while, but I mean... That's not that's not their thing. It's not, it's not that they have just, you know, that they they spread the ball around both with wide receivers and with running backs mm-hmm. and even with tight ends. They used to run yeah. two tight end sets bef- uh, before uh, a right. certain person uh, died on a jail cell. and Watson, if I remember correctly. Well, was, uh, Gronkowski and uh, Aaron Hernandez is what it oh, really yeah. was. Yeah. That was actually oh, yeah. really... Oh, gee, there's another character witness yeah. right there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but I mean that uh, when, when those two were playing, there was some... It's those two tight end sets. You talk about tough to defend. I got to tell crap. people that are listening here on Unscripted, Chris made a very uh, brilliant observation in a text that he sent to me that Antonio Brown is a little bit on the mental side. There's something, all the wires aren't working in the brain oh, yeah, real well. He's now, a yeah. little bit, and I, and I like this analogy, and it just triggered in my mind when you said that. His mind is kind of, to me, like you, seems to be kind of wavering over into Aaron Hernandez territory, and we know how that ended, and it didn't end well. Um, 
I, I just don't know. I think that this guy, personally, me personally, I think this guy should be on the on the uh, commissioner's exempt list right now until he gets his legal problems taken care of and he gets his head on straight. I think he should not be allowed to play. Yeah, the reason they didn't put him on the commissioner's exempt list is because they didn't want to set the precedent that it, this could happen due to civil cases. That was the issue. This would have been precedent setting, and they didn't want to start that and go down that rabbit hole. If this becomes a criminal investigation, then then then, then that's, he's then he's then he's a goner. Yeah. He's going, then we're yeah. then if he's if we're talking about like felony criminal rape here, then that's a different thing. But as far as it's a civil case. And people can accuse anyone of anything without any proof until it goes to court. Uh, it does seem quite credible. I did read the uh, copy of the uh, brief that you sent to me there on it. And uh, it seems very credible. I mean, she is absolutely willing to go to court, testify, you know, have to be under oath, have to get all the evidence out there, 100% willing to do that. And it's, it's weird because... Of all the timings to do this, she's getting married any day now. Too. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So yeah. she's, you know, this is not the best time for her to be doing this. Um, I mean, I guess it's it strengthens her case that he's been such a lunatic lately. But yeah, she's, uh, from what I can see, she's very credible, but everyone deserves their day in court for sure. No question. Before we run, I've got to I've got to get this in and I want your opinion on this as well. Obviously, I'm still giddy after what happened on September 5th. It's the first time in nine years the Packers played any kind of semblance of defense. Uh, Brian Gutekunst, after week one, gets the uh, executive of the year for what he did in bringing in the four unrestricted free agents all four of them played a big role in that game especially the three defensive guys obviously the two smiths and adrian amos and the back end at safety but billy turner did a nice job on the offensive line i know our offense looked pathetic but this guy did not allow pressures i think he's really really a good addition to our offensive line but i gotta tell you something and this is not sour grapes this is nothing this is just my opinion my opinion is bears fans and i said and everywhere I've said it this week, the Bears' defense is freaking hellacious. Bears' front seven could be the best in football. And the Packers' offensive line did a really nice job because Khalil Mack did not dominate in this game. The other guy on the other side, Floyd, Floyd from Georgia, he was a non-factor. This guy, 95, I don't know where the hell they found him, but he was unbelievable. He spent more time in the Packers' backfield than the Packers' backfield. But if you're a Bears fan, and I know there are a few of you out there. You're idiots, but there are a few of you out there. I think if you're a Bears fan, you've got to be concerned about your quarterback play. Trubisky did not look like a third-year starter. He looked like he had just come off a college campus, and it just looked like he had, when he came out a couple years ago, he only had 13 collegiate starts. He looks to me, and maybe this is because of the Packer defense, I'm giddy, but Trubisky to me looked like he has regressed instead of made progress as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Oh, I mean, if you have a team that wants to do a certain draft class over again, especially their first-round pick, so not only does idiot Ryan Pace give up major assets to move from three to two yeah. so they can take Trubisky, as if they could... I mean, that was a masterful job by John Lynch of pretending yeah, right. he wanted Trubisky. But uh, I'll do some trivia for you. Who, who Two other quarterbacks went in the first round there. 10th overall and 12th overall. What are their names? Any idea? Same draft class as Trubisky. Oh, so. my God. That's, um, I should know this, but I don't. Okay, it's okay. 
At 10th overall, Patrick Mahomes. At 12th overall, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> you put either of those guys on the Chicago Bears, and I, I think that people aren't understanding how much the defense has lost, even though they looked good in the opener uh, by losing Callahan and Amos. Uh, I think that if you put Trubisky on that team, or sorry, if you take Trubisky off the team and you put on a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson, assuming that they did develop this well on the Bears, which Mahomes might not have without Andy, Andy Reid's coaching, uh, you're looking at a Super Bowl team there. I mean, seriously. Well, and... Um... Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the draft. That was our first year of unscripted, and we were we were trumping hard to get uh, the Browns to take Deshaun Watson. Correct? Yeah, I think we were. I actually. think we were. Yeah, because they ended up taking Deshaun Kaiser, the wrong Deshaun. Right. right. And uh, there is, uh, they may have similar first names, but they uh, nowhere they're near their games the same. No, I mean Deshaun and Deshaun Watt, even off the field, Deshaun Watson is just a really nice guy. Seems like he has his head screwed on straight, and you know he donated his very first check to yep. charity, and just seems like a great guy. And Deshaun Kaiser is Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> I just didn't feel I in that moment. I didn't feel like being mean. But I mean, I just, I just, I'll, my, my enduring image of Deshaun Kaiser, even before he went to Green Bay, will be him on the Cleveland Browns. He goes back for play and he's under pressure and he doesn't know what to do. So he literally just threw the ball straight up in the air. Like Against was, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. And it just reminded, which is, so, which makes it even worse that the Packers wanted him and actually trade, didn't they trade Demarius Randall for him? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, but, it, it just reminds me of, we used, to, I spent all my summers at the lake growing up. And then we were kids, we, we'd all go to one uh, side of the water. And then my dad would be on the other side with a little football and he'd throw it as high as he in there. We'd play 500. It'd be, you know, 350 yeah. dead or alive, <laughs> you know, 300 alive, whatever. You oh, do yeah. that. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser decided to play 500 with the other team for no reason, and he's not smart. We've got to run, but I, I can't tell you, this is going to be an unbelievably exciting NFL season if we've got all this to talk about after week one. In our next episode, we'll get into our picks for week number two, but uh, this was a very exciting week. We didn't even have a lot of time to talk about one of the better games of, the, of week number one, which ended up being the Houston and New Orleans game on Monday night which was great a game. great game. The kicker comes out of nowhere, hits a 58-yarder to win it at the end. But that last couple of minutes, Deshaun Watson takes his team down. They make a score. Then Drew Brees, you know, the ultimate captain comeback. You just had a feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says. You just had a feeling that if you got, if Brees got the ball back with any time left at all, he was going to give him a shot to win. And damn if he didn't. Yeah, and the refs almost screwed it up. Yes, they did. In in at least two different ways. So yep. I mean, holy moly! And you see all the all the fans in ref shirts. I guess they're just yeah. they're just going to cheer for the refs. Now. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, they have long uh, memories down there in New Orleans. Well, they don't. They're not distracted by really any other teams. Uh, right. Maybe maybe the Pelicans now that they are uh, you know got the first overall pick. But yeah, they, it, that is that is a that is a Saints town down in New Orleans. No question. We've got a run on this 388th episode of Unscripted. We thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.